0: Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. We've been away uh, for about a week, um, but uh, we are back in full full effect here. Bless You Boys is your home on the SB Nation platform for all things Detroit Tigers baseball. I'm your host, Brandon Day, and with me is my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how's it going? Not too shabby.
1: I'm a little bit miffed. I'm not going to lie. This is going to be the girliest thing I ever say on this podcast, so brace yourself. You already <laughs> know it. I just spent three hours at the hair salon. Yeah, I know. Getting my hair dyed and cut because I'm going on vacation in two weeks. And during that time, the one time I decide to be like splurgy and girly, I miss a James Paxton no hitter. <laughs> I am absolutely furious.
0: <laughs> yep, the Canadian sensation.
1: The first Canadian, the first, the first pitcher I think to pitch, the first Canadian to pitch a no hitter in Canada.
0: Yeah, did it against the Blue Jays. Yep. Yeah. Yep, and. You know, we're not going to go too much into that, but, you know, James Paxton's an interesting guy because he's been, like, on the cusp of being great for, it seems like, just year after year and just always has these injury issues. There aren't a lot of lefties who throw 98 with, you know, like, basically like Chris Sale slider. So, um, yeah. yep, he may have finally uh, finally got it together here and, whew, Yep, that's, there's been some impressive pitching performances so far um, this season already, especially recently. I mean, you look at what Garrett Cole and Verlander, and then what Max Scherzer did the other day. Some of the stuff Otani's done already. Um, it's been been impressive, but there we go. There's the legit no no for uh, for James Paxton.
1: It's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, somebody was already. Uh, Meming the whole thing with, you know, like the bald eagle that attacked him at a game, you know, a couple (laughs) weeks ago and like landed on his shoulder and all that kind of stuff. Um, So
1: blessed him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Blessed him with the American eagle power. (laughs)
1: just Canadian luck he was a Canadian on Canadian soil it's just one of those things yeah
0: but we've got you know we got to get ours in there somehow of course we just we're just always like that um yeah Yeah. I mean so we were off last week and this is mainly because I've been just absolutely sick as a dog with some kind of flu upper respiratory infection and so I've been uh, recovering from that and kind of just like trying to sleep and catch up on baseball over the past couple days and also try to come to terms with the uh, the new childish Gambino video which is Oh, it's so good. I can't, I can't, I had to study it because I couldn't get stuff out of my mind. I had so many thoughts about it. I need to go back
1: and watch it about a hundred more times. But A, the song is a hundred percent on my running playlist now. Oh, Oh yeah. It's so catchy and so good but it's the video is just unbelievable
0: yep yeah i mean it uh it's there's just some imagery in there that's just so damn potent that yeah i, I couldn't yeah. sleep afterward that that was yeah, it's this rare that i'm affected by anything like that anymore i'm 43 yeah. i grew up in the video era i've seen a million videos but whew, that thing had some punch and if you're not ready so. for a
1: searing indictment into American society and its treatment of Black individuals, you are probably not super ready for that video. But it is—it's incredible. Yep. And it's done by the guy who um, directs Atlanta, which stars Donald Glover. So I thought that was pretty interesting too.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Those seem those two seem to be collaborating uh, highly effectively. So. Yep. And yeah, of course he was on Saturday Night Live this weekend and all that kind of stuff, which is why it all just kind of came to a head, and I was like, whoa
1: yeah pretty psyched for that album because i think it's going to be his last childish gambino album from my understanding of things
0: yeah that's what i heard as well although you just never know so yeah so but yeah gave me a deep dive.
1: i went went back in and was listening to the like the 2001 ep or whatever it was that's got some of my favorite tracks on it but man he's a talented guy
0: yeah yeah he absolutely absolutely is um so Yep, so here we are back, and we are now in May, and the Tigers, um, who made it through April without too much injury trouble, have uh, finally kind of started to get bit, and this happens to every team, and, you know, it it may be all for the best that it kind of comes in a big sort of gnarly clump, but we've got Jordan Zimmerman on the disabled list with a shoulder impingement. We have Miguel Cabrera, of course, who's been out for half a week or so, or almost a week already, with the... uh, well, I guess it's the right hamstring, but he also had had the bicep issue before that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're starting to starting to kind of take some lumps here. And the schedule's probably going to get harder. And yet, the Tigers remain in second place.
1: Are they? The last time I checked, the Twins had taken them over, but...
0: Oh, did they sneak um, in there? Maybe they did. They
1: did, because they have fewer losses. Oh, yeah. Um, but because the Tigers are winning right now against the Rangers... Yep um we may be back yeah right now the um, no uh tigers are got three back so they'll have to do a couple more wins to to get back over the twins
0: okay oh yeah the twins did go on a little little bit of a run there a little bit of a spree yeah i mean you figured it had to happen here eventually so yeah still tigers
1: being in third is ridiculous i was actually laughing at this today i was looking at the nl east standings oh yeah Um, Which are extra funny now because the Braves just beat the Rays. Um, It's it's goofy. Like everybody, with the exception of the Marlins, is within two games of first place, including the Nationals. That they're sitting down there in like their fourth place spot, but they're still only two games back. Like it's absolutely ridiculous.
0: Yeah, after so many years of that just being like the worst division, um, and you know Washington kind of just having a cakewalk, they they finally got a real. Real dog race going on over there. And uh, Atlanta's leading the way. you got Philadelphia. Can we talk about the,
1: the Diamondbacks having 23 wins. Yeah.
0: Like... Yep, the Diamondbacks. And that's with, you know, they already lost Taiwan Walker to um, Tommy John surgery. Paul Goldschmidt has been absolutely god-awful Um basically since last September. Um, and it hasn't stopped them a bit. Um, the pitching continues to be great. Bullpen continues to do great over there.
1: Alex Avila does well. Like who even knew?
0: Yep, I watched him take take a couple from the Astros. Um, you know, like Verlander with eight innings, fourteen strikeouts, and I think one hit, and uh, and yeah, they lost that game. So, yeah, Arizona's been super yeah. resilient, and um, at the same time, maybe the most interesting story in the whole National League is that the. The Dodgers are 15 and 19, and in very, very bad shape at this point. Yeah, they, they are hemorrhaging players. Um, they've got you know Kershaw it's now Seeger in the DL.
1: Down, yeah.
0: Yep, Seeger's gone I'm for the year.
1: Definitely been hearing a lot of chatter now about like, is Clayton Kershaw, as we know him, a thing of the past? Mm-hmm. Which I mean, every player's got to hit their prime at some point. You have got to assume it's going to happen, but it's hard to imagine a guy with as much talent as Clayton Kershaw has just being done. Yeah. Like he's obviously not, I mean, he's still going to be an incredibly talented pitcher, but like, he's still got to have some of that Kershaw magic left to him. Like, I can't imagine he's just going to suddenly become, you know, you know, team's fourth starter somehow. Like he's still Clayton Kershaw.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's, he's not in the kind of shape that like Felix Hernandez, you know, is or something like that. Um, you know, he still got most of his stuff. He lost a little bit of fastball velocity, you know, which is kind of the sign like this spring and early, early in the season, um, and his command of the fastball, which has has always been impeccable, has been down as well. So those were kind of some indicators, and we'll just, I guess, you just have to see. Like bicep tendonitis can be minor; um, it can also be a precursor to all kinds of uh, not good things. But um, but the other thing too is Clayton Kershaw is at that age where maybe it's just time for him to have that one. That one year where it kind of all goes bad and then puts it together again after that. Obviously, Verlander, you know, had a season like that. Um, it, it seems to bite every pitcher eventually, and, and it's only the greats that really can kind of come back from it. So, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, the Dodgers definitely have some some legit problems down there at this point, and um, it's going to be interesting to watch and see if they they can pull it together.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't think anybody expected them to be doing as badly as they are right now. It's bizarre.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're behind San Francisco, and obviously San Francisco finished, you know, like, what, a half game ahead of us last year, so um, for second to last in all of baseball. So some of the moves that they made do seem to have been paying off. And, you know, San Francisco lost Madison Bumgarner. Now they've got Cueto out. Um, So it's been surprising they've been as resilient as they have been as well.
1: That's ridiculous.
0: Yes,
1: is the early season woes right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Dodgers seem like they're that kind of team anyway, because you know they've they've stumbled quite a few times early in the season, and then they'll just go on some insane run in June, July. So plenty of time. Yeah, and I'm
1: still expecting that sort of thing to happen with the Indians too. Like they're they're so tight with everything right now, but I feel like they're just going to shake off some rust and suddenly go on another you know ten game winning spree and leave everybody in the Central behind.
0: Yep. But to get back, yeah, so, you know, so the Tigers' injury issues, um, you know, the Miguel Cabrera thing, you know, it seemed like some people were pretty upset about that. How do you, how, I mean, how are you looking at the, the Miguel Cabrera hamstring injury at this point? Are you concerned about him for the rest of the way now, or is this just kind of like par for the course now, and we should just get used I think, to it?
1: I think it's the tale of Miggy to come, and I think that they're actually being really smart right now, like because he had the biceps injury followed right on heels with that hamstring thing. Like He's so close together that he had just come off of three games on the bench and then suddenly had the hamstring thing and everyone just assumed it was the biceps he was being pulled for excuse me basically it was the the hamstring instead and I think he's been pushing himself pretty hard in his running and I I think that's probably a factor and the team did the smart thing by putting him on the 10 day like we've seen in the past that he kind of fights that and is like no no I'm good I can play and I feel like he would have done that here but like we said before he's not 25 anymore and he needs time to recoup. And I think once he's sat and he's been on that 10-day DL, I think he'll be fine, honestly. I think maybe give him a couple more reps at DH, let Hicks play a little bit more at first, and just let him kind of, you know, let not let him push himself quite so hard, and I think it'll be fine.
0: Yep, yep, I tend to agree. Um, I mean, you know, coming into this year, if I could find three opportunities to put Miguel on the disabled list for any kind of small reason, I'd be happy to do it you know, anyway, just to keep him healthy, um, keep him, you know, kind of rested and take some pressure off the back here and there. So, um, you know, we're not trying to win anything, so I'm perfectly fine with them being a little more careful and forcing him, if possible, as much as possible, to not play through everything. Um, You know, all the nagging injuries he's had over the years, he's played through and probably, you know, to some degree to his detriment. Um, Even, though, you know, the Triple Crown year, um, you know, he's played through bro- broken bones back in those days. He played through mm-hmm. the groin tear. So, yeah, he's uh, he's given us all, all he can um, as far as being the guy that's just going to play no matter what. So, yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. Um, and, I'm, you know, I th- I think he'll come back and, and be, you know, pretty much good to go. He shouldn't lose his timing um, in just that short amount of time. So that doesn't seem like too big of an issue. Um, the other injury, and, I, you know, I could have had to think for a second if we even got to talk about this, but we... We didn't, and it was Daniel Norris um, getting the was it muscular decompression surgery on his groin, um, which apparently oh. went very well, um, and that's going to keep him out now for, you know, something like 8 to 12 weeks. 8 to 12 weeks, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, that's as frustrating as it is, it just seemed like they had tried everything possible to kind of rehab it, and um, so I'm glad they finally just went ahead and did this now, so, you know, hopefully he can come back after the All-Star break you know, healthy, and finally start taking advantage of uh, Mr. Bazio's tutelage because you know, from what I saw of Daniel Norris before he went down, you know, the real issue was the velocity, and that's all tied to the to this injury. So, um, the slider was looking good. Um, he, you know, he was striking plenty of people out. He didn't really get hit hard more than like one or two innings along the way. Um, so. you know i I don't feel too bad about that one either um it's frustrating i'm sure daniel's frustrated but you know in the end oh yeah he was tweeting
1: something today (coughs) about not letting yourself get in the way of yourself kind of thing and i think he's he's so much in his head the poor guy i think there's so he just he overthinks a lot (laughs) i feel like poor daniel norris does I feel like we should have been able to let a little bit of the pressure off of his brain. I think that might have helped too.
0: Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, I mean, but. he's you know he's just that guy though. You know, he's not he's he's not your typical kind of empty-headed baseball donk. And I'm sure you know a lot of people would say that maybe he'd be better off if he was. But um, you know, there's plenty of plenty of super talented, smart players out there. So you know, oh yeah, how's it going, Joey Votto? So um, you know, oh, I don't, I, Joey. I think we, and I, I've been saying this probably since you know. 2016 is that people read way too much into Daniel Norris and like what his personality is like in this and that. It's all about health. Um, so, you know, he's been dealing with these nagging things for such a long time that it's, it's just all for the best that he finally broke down and got the surgery done. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, kind of mental angst that he seems to go through. Um, you know, if you, if you're not healthy and you're trying to pitch through it, you know, that that's, that's just going to weigh on you. There's nothing you can do about it other than, you know, to get healthy again. So, We'll just have to see how it goes. Um, it was kind of a drag, but, you know, the Tigers didn't seem like they knew what to do with him anyway at this point. So yeah. maybe all for the best as, as well there. Um, you know, he's he's still under club control for many years to come, and there's still plenty of time for him to get it sorted. So we'll just hope that he does Yeah. So.
1: Somebody asked me the other day if they thought this was, like, it for the, like, trying him in, in the catcher, in the starter role. And I'm like, no, that's not it for trying him in the starter role. He's not suddenly done because he had surgery.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's just one of those things, and it goes back to the Miggy thing, where I, I just wonder sometimes if people don't watch other teams very much, and, and to see how often people get on with injury. I mean, there's you know 23 24 25 year old players dropping like flies from injury all over the place so yeah
1: absolutely
0: yeah so this is just part of the game and uh you know we don't need to hand ring too hard the tigers you know aren't trying to win anything this year and these things won't really affect anything long term so yeah so we'll just see how it goes it was a little bit of a drag if there was one that kind of bummed me out it was jordan zimmerman more than any because he had just come off you know pitching a couple pretty darn good games and looking like he may have kind of figured it all out for figured himself. Figured himself out, yeah. And here we go, shoulder impingement for, you know, and probably out for a few starts.
1: <sighs> we can't win. But uh, I mean, that's the point, right? We're not trying to.
0: Exactly. We, we can't win these days, and, you know, that's that's just something we'll have to get used to. We're not going to win until uh, the farm system starts kicking up some gems here. So, yep. In the meantime, we're just going to have to suffer through it, like we did during the game. On Sunday. <laughs> and we must address this because Jose Iglesias versus Ron Gardenhire. I don't want to overstate it. Obviously, this isn't like <laughs> this is not Ohio State versus Michigan or something. Obviously. Yeah, and it's
1: not like going to come to blows in the clubhouse or anything. But it, it is. Ron Gardenhire definitely uh, made it very clear he was unhappy with the lack of hustle. Um, or even like an effort to try from Jose Iglesias. And I think he basically outright called it a bullshit move. Like, he said he wouldn't put up with that sort of bullshit yep. um, from his players. And I think he was so candid about it in the post game that, like, as the guys were filing out of his office, one of them actually had to stop and go, like, wait, like, was all that on the record? And I guess everyone <laughs> <laughs> garden kind of looked at them and was just like, duh, it's on the record. Why the hell else would I say it? Um, so it, it was pretty apparent that he was he was being as vocal as he was to really just like stick it to Iglesias and make him know how unhappy he was. Yep. like not nothing and, quite like having your manager call you out for bullshit in the media.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and what it came down to, um, to go back to the the game in question on Sunday was that the Tigers were you know were playing some shifts on the Royals and Whit was on first base and basically just walked to second and then walked to third. And there was no one close enough to cover the bags, and you had a rookie catcher in Grayson Griner catching his very first game in Major League Baseball. Um, so the, you know the opportunity was right there, and no one really made the effort to try to you know get to the bag in those cases. And then they had just walked, they walked Jorge Soler, and he was at first, and then he followed in Merrifield's steps um, with Merrifield on third and just traipsed down to second, and. After the game, yeah, Jose Iglesias, you know, apparently said that, you know, it sounded like he was pinning it on the coaches. Like, they've got to come up with a better plan for how we're going to play these shifts and still cover the bases. And, yeah, that was when Ron Gardenhire um, pretty much pretty much just, you know, lit him on fire. And it's been yeah. interesting because the past two days, Jose Iglesias has played, and not necessarily um, in a good way, played like a desperate man. Like, he's looked... He's looked well, stressed to me. Like he's looked like you know he's he's not sure of himself out there. He's looked a little bit uh,
1: well. He the opposite. Field
0: <laughs> he did from tonight. Run today, didn't yep,
1: he? Yep. Like, wow. Yeah. When did we ever think we were going to see that? Yep. Oh, but we also man. saw him.
0: You know, bobble a play last night. We saw Dixon Machado blow a couple yeah. plays. Um, it was it was an ugly couple games for uh, for the middle infield in particular. So. Yeah, good to see Iglesias hit a home run. Uh, maybe that will kind of, I don't know, settle him down and, and get him back to his usual, you know, non-hitting but good defense himself. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, it is interesting to watch Ron Gardenhire perform these things because they feel like performance. Um, mm-hmm. They feel like performance for the media as well and the beat writers because I've noticed the beat writers taking a lot, like, his tone on towards some players that you've never seen before. You Like, you never really see them rip rip guys, you know, during the Osmus era unless Brad Osmus said something and Brad Osmus didn't usually let that stuff kinda get out. Whereas Ron Gardenhire seems perfectly content to blow someone up in the media once in a while and you know and allow them to kinda take him to task as well. So it's been interesting to see that style kind of develop and, you know, after a month of you know good times hey it's you know the baseball season's back we're all having we're all having fun this is the point in the season where it starts to turn into the grind and um it'll be interesting to see how he handles the clubhouse um as a team that isn't very good has to kind of you know keep their heads above water this whole way
1: yeah it's uh i've i've liked him as a as a kind of new manager and that he's got a very different approach to the media than Osmus did absolutely like, he actually talks to them, which mm-hmm. is a big change of pace. and
0: He doesn't have that naturally lets... condescending tone. He,
1: he doesn't have that combative nature with them, I don't think. It's more like a, hey guys, how you doing? Let me tell you a thing or two about this game, as opposed to, like, why are you asking me these questions?
0: Yeah, there's much more of a comfort felt... in it, you know, like, he's yeah. done this, he's been around the block so many times. Whereas Ausmus yeah. always seemed, like, from the beginning, like, he took a lot of stuff personally that a a more experienced manager would know you know this is just the cost of doing business so yeah i you know i think on those fronts like you know Gardenhire has been been pretty pretty entertaining at least and interesting to watch um even if i'm still not that big of a fan of him as manager Mm -hmm. that's fine because again we're not trying to win he makes it interesting yep and he's much more quotable and um and, you know, you have to look at some things like, you know, our um, our buddy Peter, who uh, put an article up on the site today about the Tigers base running and how improved it's been. And it's mm-hmm. been pretty radically improved um, so far. And the Tigers definitely seem to be taking the extra base and, and running much more aggressively and much more heads up out there and looking for opportunities. So that's been, that's been something that the Tigers have been trying to do since the Leland era. And even Jim Leland could never get that out of them. So that's been cool.
1: Yeah, what I found interesting about Peter's piece is that he addressed the fact that the talent itself isn't actually that much better. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we suddenly have a bunch of guys that are like speed demons on the base paths because like, he actually breaks it down number by number. And the, the bare bones numbers are not that impressive compared to other seasons. But somehow the results are there, so I think that it's it's actually pretty interesting to to see that with the same level of talent, he's actually managing to accomplish what our two previous managers couldn't.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I mean we lost Ian Kinsler and Justin Upton, who were both you know among the best base runners on the team, and
1: yeah, Cameron Maben had some great speed, yep. and those guys are all gone. So
0: yep, so it seems yeah he seems to be having some some effect there. You know the thing I always thought about Osthmus is that you know every year he would come out and want them to be aggressive. And then as soon as a couple screw-ups happened, it was like they backed off. And the only way you can get better at playing at a certain speed is to just play at that speed and accept the mistakes, you know, and hope that over time you get used to kind of seeing and reading the game at that speed. So I'm glad he just kind of keeps turning them loose. There was an incident with Jacoby Jones where he stole a base and and missed a sign that he wasn't supposed to. And even though he was successful, um, you know, I I think Ron Gardner went up to him afterward and was like, hey, I want you to, you know, I want you to keep... You know, I want you to make sure you're you're checking the signs, but I also want you to keep playing aggressive no matter what happens. So, you know, I'm okay with that side of it. And I thought that was good. That was good to see. Yeah. Yep. And otherwise, you know, the starting rotation continues to make this team, like, relatively watchable. Like, we haven't really seen them get blown out still. Um, not, not Mm -hmm. Not in the kind of, like... Dylan Bundy-ish way that we saw Dylan Bundy get <laughs> epically just torched for the Orioles today in the first inning oh
1: yeah that was ugly I think his final line was like zero it was like because he just couldn't get a single out to save his life oh it was like was... home
0: run home run single yeah, walk walk home run home run four home runs so in one inning. ugly so we haven't had to put favorite... up with it a...
1: Somebody on the Twitter, I think it was Dean Samborski, uh, who I don't know who it was. Um, so
0: yeah. Dan, Dan Samborski, maybe? Dan Samborski. Yeah, thank yeah, you. You. Master of the yeah, zips yeah, yeah. projections, yes.
1: Yeah, Zips guy. Zips Dan. So, yeah, um, he said that they, their uh, win percentage had gone from um, zero to lol in the span <laughs> of
0: one inning, which was
1: much funnier before I totally forgot his name. <sighs>
0: yeah, but it had, yeah, I mean, that's. That's the kind of thing that'll happen once in a while, and I'm just I'm just glad we haven't seen too much of that because the bullpen is already taxed enough, and you know thank God the starters are going out there and giving us five or six innings seemingly every game at least um, without you know just getting shelled and giving up five or six runs and it seems to me like what I'm what I'm interested in particularly is whether or not this is Chris Bazio's game planning because it just seems like they're not getting hit that hard like you know each start they like they come out with a plan and it seems like they execute it pretty well until the other the opposing offense starts to have a chance to adjust to them um, when you see pitchers come out and be successful early in games like that that a lot of times that is you know the good plans between the catcher the pitching coach and and the pitcher themselves so that's very promising I think
1: yeah that's been interesting to watch because they're definitely not getting like you said they're not getting shelved the way we thought they might. So it's been, uh, it's been a actually fairly promising season so far.
0: Yeah. You know, I actually on the Patreon podcast I did last night with Rob, um, Rob Rojacki, our site editor. Um, for any of you who are not Patreon subscribers, you can go over to our Patreon page and become a patron of the site and of the podcast there. And we do have some, some extras going up, um, over there, including the podcast that we did last night. But, um, Oh, see now I've totally forgotten what I was talking about. Oh, but we we were we were saying <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that's a perfect opportunity for a Patreon aside, but but yeah, I mean basically what we were talking about was how there's been there's been anger and um, I, you know, I think one of our biggest fears was that there you know, there would be so much apathy toward the season that this team wouldn't even be entertaining enough to make you mad at them. And instead, we've been mad quite a bit. There've been a lot of close losses. Um, The bullpen's been able to blow some games and do all those sorts of things that, you know, a really, really bad team, you know, like a 2003 level team just, just doesn't even compete enough, you know, to become relevant. So, yeah, so we can still watch this team and, and be frustrated and, you know, pick apart managerial decisions and all those sorts of things without, you know, feeling like we're just being completely crazy because they're, they're still competitive in all these games. Exactly. Okay. So the other thing we can get into is that we, you know, we're a month in um, to the farm system, and I just kind of wanted to hit on a few guys who have been doing very well, and one of whom, in particular, you might see very soon, um, in particular, who is Christian Stewart, the Mud Hens left fielder who is absolutely wrecking shop and already has seven home runs this season, um, and that's that's been really good to see. There was still a little bit of question coming in, you know, this season about his ability to handle velocity. Um, and and just kind of, you know, obviously there are questions about his defense, and those questions are probably going to be answered with no, he's not really any good at defense. But but well,
1: uh, that's been his profile for it forever. Like he's always been the kind of guy that's got future DH stamped all over him because he's the power hitter, but he has no real defensive merits to speak of at all. He's kinda of just like we're gonna to toss him out in the field until we don't need him anymore.
0: Yeah, and you know, I've seen people already like well, why can't he play first base? And I mean Kristen Stewart can't throw. Um, you know, he he's notorious for making some bungles in the outfield. You don't really want him like picking balls out of the dirt for you. Um you know, on the one hand, again, you know, the Tigers aren't going to compete, be competing this year. So if the Tigers bring him up and put him in the outfield a bunch, I mean, I, I you know, it's not going to hurt us that much. The question is just, can he hit? And the answer seems to be yes.
1: Yes, which is his, his biggest value to the team for sure.
0: Yep. You look at him and there's a, you know, there's a, a, a real big time power threat, you know, from the left side that the Tigers haven't really had, you know, in a homegrown version for as long as I can remember, you know, they had to bring in Prince Fielder to get that kind of a bat. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm excited to see that. I'm actually pretty stoked um, for the idea of Kristen Stewart coming up sometime this summer, um, at least for a cup of coffee. And then hopefully later on in the year, kind of starting to get a chance um, to see what he can do. Um, Mike Gerber is currently injured, but he may, he may join the the club at some point along the way as well. But yeah they're still gonna have to answer that Victor Reyes question and figure out how to' get been him up out of once there. already, yeah he was up briefly, yeah for super tiny
1: sip, but yeah it was uh he's at least he's at least been up, so I guess we'll see what happens with with them,
0: yeah, yeah, so Kristen Stewart is you know gonna gonna be kind of the one to watch um as far as like the pitchers down there, that's kind of been the frustrating part is that we haven't really gotten to see too much um Matt Manning's last outing. It was kind of a debacle. His first two were okay, although he was um, he was still walking a lot of people. Um, Alex Faeito has been solid, um, and Bo Burrows has been solid, but we have, we just haven't really seen any like kind of monster starts from anybody. Um, so there hasn't been a whole lot to get super excited about um, as far as the farm goes, pitching wise. But <clears throat> it's still very early in the minor league season, and we'll just kind of have to see how those guys kind of
1: asking us, and then we can kind of switch to that. Let's see. We asked some questions on our page today. Um, Music crazy 99 on the Bless You Boys page like to know, is Dixon Machado really this bad? Poor defense, no value at the plate. How long till the Tigers go in a different direction or try a young gun that's not Dixon Machado? Who would they like us to try instead? Yeah,
0: hmm. That's
1: my big thing is, like, we don't... Yeah, I the mean dyers don't have a habits on a of, of real infield depth to pull from in the farm. So yeah.
0: Uh, the only, no. I mean the only guy is, you know, I mean and it, and this is what's going to happen I would assume is that Dawal Lugo um, yeah. will will come up at some point. Um and he's, you know, the, the problem with Dawal Lugo is he doesn't draw any walks. Um he's got good contact abilities. Um, he's got some power and he's probably a below average second baseman, but I think what might actually happen is that at some point Jose Iglesias is going to start playing less and less. Like if if he can't, you know, kind of pull it together, and and he and Dixon Machado have been god awful so mm-hmm. far. I mean, neither one of them is hitting at all. Like in no way are either of them looking like major league caliber caliber hitters. Um, and because of that, Jose Iglesias doesn't have any trade value. He probably didn't anyway. But he's not, you know, he's not going to go anywhere in my opinion. Um, except maybe someone throws us some, you know, truly meager prospect for him as a defensive replacement or something like that. Yeah. But, but, um, yeah, so Dowell Lugo maybe at that point could get a shot. But as far as Dixon, no, his defense isn't isn't this bad. Um, He's actually going to grade out probably as an above-average defender by year's end. He just hasn't played second base hardly at all. Um, He's still getting used to that position. And what we've seen is that him going to his left um out under the outfield grass, it, that, that's where he's just not comfortable. And he's had, you know, a couple balls slip right through his glove or under his glove. Um, so it's been frustrating to watch, and unfortunately a couple of them have come at a bad time. But no, his defense isn't a problem. Um the problem is that Dixon Machado can't really hit any better than Jose Iglesias ever has. And the problem there is that, you know, at some point we need a real shortstop, and we need a real second baseman to kind of complete the rebuild and turn this into an actual viable contender again, and Dixon Machado is really never going to be that guy, so... He's always... I
1: have to wonder if you bother bringing up Lugo yet. I mean, like you've said, like we've said, you can make a drinking game of it. Like, the Tigers aren't aiming to win this season. The only benefit of bringing Lugo up at this point would be to give him that major league experience and see how he does.
0: Yeah, or to challenge him and kind of show him what he needs to work on before yeah. he goes back down. Um, I could see them doing something like that as far as, you know, kind of a cup of coffee. Or letting him play a couple of weeks because someone else is injured. Or maybe they just get fed up with, with Nico Goodrum, um, who is also kind of just been a disaster everywhere he plays in the field um but yeah dixon machado the nice thing about dixon in the minor leagues that i think people kind of pin their hopes on a little bit was that he drew walks at a rate that jose iglesias has has never had but you see that sometimes from light hitting guys in the minor leagues and then when they come up you know major league pitchers don't respect him in the slightest and they will just get just overwhelmed there won't there won't be anybody pitching around them or missing the plate you know in a in a a 3-0 count you just won't see that. They'll just come right at those guys and just blow them away. And so far, that's that's a lot of what we've seen against Dixon so far. So it's going to be on him to kind of figure out a way to adjust and start making some solid contact. Because otherwise, it's yeah, it's going to be an ugly go for him and his his stay as a Tigers regular might be pretty short. Sorry,
1: twenty seventeen rookie of the year, Dixon Machado.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, okay, uh, what would have to happen for the Tigers to not take Casey Mize in the draft? With the second part being, how long after drafting Mize will it take for him to reach the majors? From Colors, you have, oh, and Colors is spelled properly.
0: Hello. Yeah, Colors is a good guy, yep.
1: Um, I would say Casey Mize would have to sustain a very serious hand or arm injury for him to not go (laughs) first in the draft or for the Tigers to suddenly wake up and decide that they feel like drafting a position player. Mm -hmm. That's it. There's there's no logical reason for the Tigers not to take Casey Mize who just pitched a 15 out no hitter. Like there's it, it logically he's exactly the Tigers profile He's a hard-throwing right-handed pitcher. He's precisely what the Tigers just go crazy for. And,
0: and, yeah, he would have to, would have to fall board. off a
1: quad and break his arm, Baumgartner style, for us to not draft him first.
0: Yep. And even if something like that did happen, the Tigers might just look at it as an, an opportunity to sign him under slot and, sp- well, and spread that money somewhere else. Cause... he's
1: had issues with his hand already. So, And the fact that he's still considered to be the, the gimme number one from every mock draft you see, it just goes to show you how much potential that people see him having.
0: Yeah, and there really isn't any prospect site or scout or any report you'll hear anywhere that doesn't believe that the Tigers are, you know, are, are going to take Casey Mize. Like they're, they're guaranteed to take Casey Mize unless something else happens. So.
1: Yeah. And we were, we were talking about this before the podcast, about how, you know, it was so surprising that Hunter Green didn't go first last year. Um, and you might see a shakeup like that. And I think we'll get to the answer to the question that will follow up very shortly. Um, but it's very unlikely, yeah. very very unlikely just because of i think the the twins drafted the way they did out of necessity they saw future need and and they chose to draft the way they did last year as a result um i don't think the tigers are going to take into account quick turnaround logic and pick a position guy i think they're hoping to build the next justin verlander
0: yeah i think that's what they're what they're hoping for or at least you know kind of a reasonable facsimile um and as far as how long after drafting him Will it take for him to reach the majors? Um, I would bet that Casey might as well reach the majors before any of the other Tigers' top pitching prospects. Um, you know, he could probably come right up and, and go right to the, the Erie SeaWolves in Double A and and do perfectly well. So, I'd be surprised
1: if they didn't just toss him into the Double A level. Yeah, honestly, if
0: they're gonna if they're gonna pitch him and they don't decide to kind of shut him down until like the Arizona Fall League or something like that, yeah, I mean he could he could start right out there and be fine. And I would think, um, you know, I mean, 2020 by the latest, but Casey Myers might be ready, you know, to pitch in the major leagues by next year. And it'll just be a, a question of making sure they game his service time, as kind of weak as that is. You have to do it because everyone else is doing it. Um, so he won't start with the team, you know, next year. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you don't see him pitching with the Detroit Tigers in 2019. Um, he's, he's that advanced, his command is that polished. Um, He's got four plus pitches. Uh, you know, it's it's all it's all right there. I think the only question about Casey Mize is, can he get much better than he already is? Yeah. And I don't know. We'll find out.
1: Uh, a good follow up to this would be Son of Spartacus, who asked. If you had to take a position player with the first overall pick in the draft, who would it be? And how bad would you get lambasted for not taking a pitcher? And I know you and I have the same answer to this question. Uh, and that is Nick Madrigal. Mm-hmm. And we love him a lot as a second base prospect who has just some really good, good talent. And I think what it takes to be major league ready second baseman, I think by that 2020 turnaround time. Yeah, easy. Yeah, uh, I I think he's just got the making of like a Kinsler level, just decent quality all around potential Gold Glove second baseman, the kind of guy that you can just keep on your your roster for years and years, and is just going to give you consistent consistent results.
0: And be a, and probably nice. be a yeah, and probably be a team leader type guy too. I mean, that's yeah. the thing that makes me want to bet on Nick Madrigal is just that he's a he's a maniac, like he's that little guy who you know, had to overcome everybody's prejudice, you know, forever, and has turned into this, like, you know, super fast base stealing, contact hitting, good defense playing, you know, just savage out there. And um, he'd be a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I think we all know this, this just isn't going to happen. As far as would the Tigers get, I guess, lambasted for not taking a pitcher? No, I think everyone would be kind of, stunned that the Tigers didn't <laughs> didn't take a picture. I don't know if they'd get lambasted for it. No,
1: I think they'd get like, oh, that was a surprising It would definitely move, be shocking, you yeah. know. It would definitely send every other team scrambling to decide what they were going to do. Um, but, yeah, I don't think the Tigers would be, like, mocked or or, you know, called idiots for doing that kind of move because it is actually a really smart move for them since they don't typically develop position players and they're going to need them like we just talked about with Machado. Yeah. Um so I mean honestly drafting Madrigal would be the smarter choice for the Tigers and it might show that, you know, Avila and the front office are willing to take some risks. Um, but it, yeah, it's so unlikely.
0: Yeah. And I, and, you know, and I don't even know if I would, I would go so far as to call it like smarter. I'm, you know, Casey Mize is is an awesome pitching prospect. I am not going to have the slightest complaint about them taking Casey Mize. Um, it would just, you know, it it would just be the Tigers kind of thinking in a, in a bit of a different way. And I, I've never been one to criticize the Tigers for taking a ton of pitching because pitching gets hurt and, Having a you know a lot of pitching that's homegrown and is cost control controlled makes sense as long as you you take care of the corollary which is on Chris Illich and Alavila which is that you go out and you buy you know you buy hitting then you know you yeah. you invest your money in hitters because typically they don't break down you know their production is generally at least more consistent and from that pers- perspective you can you can look at um, you know taking pitching as as a safer move. Um, it's just that it's only part of the, it's part of an equation that you have to complete and we'll have to see if the Tigers actually follow through on all that or whether or not they're going to put us through waiting for Dixon Machado and Dawa Lugo and, you know, Mike Gerber and whoever else to prove that they're not stars. Like if, if they're going to take, you know, guys like that and give them two or three years to show they can't do it. I'm going to go insane by then because they should know that already. Like none of those three guys is, is really going to be much of a factor. So no. yeah, we'll just have to kind of see how, uh, how, how those things play out. But, um, I would love to see Nick Madrigal. That would, that would be a lot of fun, but I'm, I'm excited and. Yeah, Casey Mize will be great. Like for, no, for no, none
1: of us on the team. And it, Jay, if you're listening to this, we know you want Casey Mize. We know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, nobody's going to be upset if we get one of the top pitching prospects in the country. Like, it's it's not going to be a bummer.
0: Yeah, and I like so. him I like him a lot better than I like Alex Fajito, for example. I like him better than any, basically any other pitcher we have in the system other than um, maybe Manning, and that's all potential and, and a long, long way away. So, yeah, Casey Mize will instantly be our, our number one prospect, um, and he will be the probably the quickest of our really good prospects to get to the major leagues. Um, apart from, yeah, like we said, like Kristen Stewart will probably show up and, um, you know, be, by next year be some kind of partial DH, partial outfielder type player for us.
1: Uh, some bum named Robert Jackie would like to know who is the most underrated prospect in the system and why is it Christian Stewart? I
0: think <laughs> we talked
1: about that already. Yep. Uh, but it's just a great question. So yeah. I feel like asking it. Yeah, we have to answer um, Rob's
0: questions. I mean, I think we're we're you know, duty bound. It's, it's fair. And really, the only um, answer is that you know he's he's underrated because his ceiling is very low because he can't play in the field. Um, yeah. I think more and more people all believe, and actually, um, you know, FanGraphs put out their detroit tigers prospect rankings um last week and they had kristen stewart i think number three um because everyone after seeing a little bit of him this year and what he's done at the AAA level is now completely sold on the bat and expects him to come up and just wreck shop so
1: yeah um our video making buddy adam Dubin would like to know who's the worst v Mart, zimmerman or cabrera um I said Victor just because he's been such a weight. <laughs> like, just- <laughs> an endless weight around the neck and it's kind of funny because cabrera would be the more obvious selection i think because of the length of his contract and the expense of it mm-hmm. but it's just such a gimme at this point that i don't even think about it like we talk about trades and we talk about everything and you don't even acknowledge that cabrera exists in that spectrum because his his contract is just so set in stone yeah and he's just here for the long haul and there's something kind of like baseball romantic about that in that like we know even as he declines that at least he's going to be a tiger when he retires. And there's something kind of nice about that.
0: Yeah. And you just, I mean, you just really hope that the tigers turn things around fast enough so that there's still some, you know, some usable Miggy um, involved when they're, whenever the hit is that they're good again. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I think my fear is like Miguel Cabrera having to spend like the next six years, you know, playing out this contract for just a moribund franchise. So let's, let's hope it doesn't go that way. I would, I would love to see, them have things at least back to, you know, Hey, we, maybe we can take the wild card this year, you know, by 2020 and, and not just waste whatever Miguel Cabrera has left. Um Yeah.
1: I'd like to see some of like the, the late era pools we're seeing with the yeah. angels where, you know, you get those milestones still coming and he's still got that pop in his bat and he can kind of be the, the elder statesman for the team. Um I think there's definitely still some great years left in Maggie. It's just a matter of whether or not the Tigers, Manage him appropriately, and you know let him sit sit out more than he is,
0: yep, yep, and just yeah, I mean he's just a guy who won't come out of games you have you have to take care of him, you have to make him make him do these things, and it's and you have to be able to talk him into it because you can't just you know you can't just do what you want with him um, I think sometimes people think that you can do what you want with them, but people <laughs> do have to remember that they these are you know these are employees in a workplace um you know, you don't just get to like. Nah, you're not. You know, you're not coming in today. You can't do that. Like, you have to. These things have to be agreed upon, and they've got to. You know, continue to to keep Miggy on board um, with the program. So, for me, the worst one is Zimmerman. Um, and it was nice to see. Like, you know, he's gotten off to a good start. It does look like maybe. You know, he's he's kind of started to figure out how to pitch. You know, with his diminished stuff, but um, that's the one that's still going to last a couple years, and is probably just going to kind of, you know drain on us and be in the way, um, at various points when we want to bring up, you know, more talented young players. Um, you know, some of these young starters that we have all throughout the minor leagues are going to be hitting, you know, major league ready and, or at least, you know, to the point that we want to start giving their, them their first shot. And he's kind of just going to be a lump there through 2020. Um, so, you know, Victor will finally, will be, be free of that this, this year. So I'm, I'm not going to call that one the worst one. <laughs> Although it yeah, is the I've most annoying har- one right now, for I've, sure,
1: I've harped on it the most, so I think that's why I picked that one.
0: And he did, um, and of course, he home he hit a home run tonight, just just despite you.
1: Just to like, just to rub it in a little bit. Yeah, uh, I'm going to skip Sonosparticus's other questions because we already took one from him.
0: Let's not uh, even do that. Yeah, there's another one too. Like I, I, this I haven't even gotten into the second round yet. We're still yeah, we're still right. I haven't
1: writing. looked at the second round either. Yeah, we're still um, right guys. Somebody asked me on Twitter if they if we think that uh, Nick Castellanos will be better this season than last year.
0: Oh uh, yeah, I mean. I, I think defensively he <laughs> will
1: not be worse
0: yep I mean I guess my answer I mean I, I wrote that they should extend him um when, when was it like last September I mean I, I was like adamant that the Tigers needed to make an extension offer because yeah I mean he's not he's just not gonna hurt you at in right field the way he could at third base and he's actually by and large looked okay out there um except for on like the the really hard hit line drive type balls um so yeah and he's hitting the crap out of the baseball. As expected.
1: I think we're seeing him kind of entering his prime right now.
0: Yep. Um,
1: Which I think is, we're never going to see a good defensive player out of Nick, but he hasn't been as abysmal in the outfield as he was at third. And I think offensively he's, he's proving that he's got the pop. Um, and I do hope the Tigers manage to work an extension with him because I think we showed, I wrote an article about it, that, you know, the offseason wasn't friendly to guys who don't have much to offer defensively. Yeah. And um, he may not get the kind of contract he thinks he's going to get in free agency. So I, I do think that it would be a, a good for them to come to terms.
0: Yeah, so. And he's also, you know, he should look at the example of his boy, JD, who, mm-hmm. you know, the Tigers didn't get nearly what we hoped to get for him last year in part because the diamondbacks were like we you know we want him but you know we know we're gonna we're gonna take some hits as far as his defense and the boston red sox literally do not want him playing in the outfield at all and you know in my opinion nick is as good a defender already out there as jd ever was i think people slept on how bad jd was in right field by and large because of the bat and I think what you're going to see is that you know Nick Castellanos' bat is probably going to be somewhat JD Martinez like over the next four or five years. He's coming into mm-hmm. those prime years. He's already hitting for high average, tons of extra base power. Um, he's just got to start lifting a few out of the ballpark um, the way JD did, and you're gonna you're gonna have kind of a star that the Tigers may end up just letting walk him walk away. So
1: as we speak, he just drove in an insurance run in the game. So. Yep. He, he gears us and yep. he does our bidding.
0: Nick Castellanos, professional hitter and young leader. twenty yeah, twenty five. You know what?
1: He's growing on me a lot. Watching interviews with him. He is a really like surprisingly well-spoken guy.
0: Yeah. Very um, thoughtful actually. Were, yeah.
1: Yeah. They were showing some great interviews with him in between games the other day. And just, he's like, he's a really, he puts a lot of thought into things. Like, he sees big picture things and he's kind of a philosophical dude. Yeah. And he is definitely got the makings of a guy that could be that clubhouse leader that the team needs. He's a really interesting guy.
0: Yeah. he. I, I listened to him a couple of weeks ago. He must've spent 10 minutes explaining the fact that he doesn't, take any thoughts with him to the plate like it was funny to hear him describe like the zen of hitting for him in that in such like lengthy you know digressive terms compared to how other hitters prepare and work on their swing and and look for certain things and study pitchers and all that kind of stuff and i mean you know he's just all about nope i've you know i've got to get up there and and just do my thing and then forget it and i just keep forgetting i've you know I I just do I work hard and I I want to forget anything that happens the good I don't want to remember it the bad yeah, I, I don't want to remember saying, it. Yeah, was
1: saying like he he used to be on a merry-go-round, yeah, where it would just like carry it with him the entire time, and now he's just like on a roller coaster or something. Like he used a really cute metaphor about it, but,
0: yeah. <laughs> yep, he's living in the moment, living on a prayer. Yeah, so yeah, and you know Nick Castellanos, is, you know, was drafted when he was you know very young. He was. 18 and, um, you know, came up when he was 21, you know, in a, in an environment where he was playing with, you know, Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, you know, Torrey Hunter, you know, those dudes on his team and, you know, a a rotation with, you know, Verlander and Scherzer and these, you know, just, just these kind of legendary beast type players. Um, and, had to make his way in that environment and you know he he took his lumps because you know obviously the defense was bad um and he was playing on really out of position there all these years so yep he's he's seen a lot for a guy who's you know a 25 year old baseball player he's seen a lot in the game already yeah absolutely yep well, all right i think um that's probably gonna wrap it up um Trying to think if there's anything else to talk about. Probably not really. I'm like I said, you know, I kind of want to touch on the the farm system each week a little bit, but there just hasn't been a whole lot of note that's gone on over the past week or so. So we'll kind of save that for next time and get in our groove here again. And um, next week, you know, my voice probably will sound less like Barry White <laughs> swallowed a bunch of frogs and some kind of david, david david blaine impression <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
1: God. Uh, oh man maybe we should just do the podcast with you sick every week
0: yep i know i need to do some recording you know, like I, I feel i feel ready to sing some slow jams right
1: now oh man get your funk on mm mm-hmm. terrible
0: yeah all right so yeah if you um if you guys can help us out please hit up our patreon page at Patreon.com backslash, blah, backslash. Bless you, boys. You can follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter, and you can follow me at Fiscadoro74 on Twitter. Ashley, have a great night.
1: You too, man.
0: All right. Bye-bye.